Hey everyone, welcome to the Random Anx Podcast. Today is September 4th, 2017, and this is episode 5. My name is Justin, and as always I will be joined by my trusty sidekick and co-host, Mark. Today we will be talking about the latest guest announcements for Salt Lake City Comic Con. We will also be discussing one of our favorite series of novels uh, written by Jim Butcher called The Dresden Files. We will also be talking about Wonder Woman as it was recently released on digital download and we both watched it this week so we want to have another uh, discussion on, on that movie. We will also be talking briefly about the Dark Tower comic book series. For bonus content of this episode we will be discussing uh, more about the DC movies, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad, and the upcoming Justice League movie. And we will talk about how all these movies, as well as the upcoming uh, announced movies in the DC Universe, how they will hopefully all fit together and complement one another. So thank you for joining us. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey guys, I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about some of these topics I'm a big fan of the Dresden Files. Uh, I love talking about it. I love reading the series. That'll be good to talk about. And with the uh, digital release of Wonder Woman, it's exciting to talk about Wonder Woman and the ins and outs of the movie. Like always, if you guys have anything you'd like us to talk about or address, just let us know. Send us a message, post a comment. Uh, we'd, we'd like to address the things that you guys like to hear about. Yep. So you brought up Wonder Woman. And I think we'll start off with that. Um, we both watched Wonder Woman this week as we bought the, the digital copy and watched it in our home theater system. Um, we both saw it in theaters a couple of times, and I think we've discussed it on the podcast previously. But we want to bring it up again because it's one of our favorite movies, and as far as I'm concerned, it's the best movie of, of the summer. And so... In watching this movie, in going into it in the theater, I kind of didn't know what to expect. I had some ideas from the, the trailer and just from knowing the mythology of the character and was pleasantly surprised as the, as the story unfolded while watching the movie. Uh, so sitting down and watching it on a digital copy in home, at the, my house, I knew what the story was. I'd seen the movie, completely knew what to expect, but yet at the same time, I enjoyed it just as much as I did the first time I saw it. Uh, seeing the, uh, the adventure play out on screen again was worth it. And just the the way the, the story unfolded, the way it was written, and the character development that we see with Diana Prince as she grows up on the island and tends to want to fight and become a warrior. And her mother doesn't agree with that and so she has some conflict there with her mother and trying to uh, find her own way find her own path seeing that whole story i think out of the entire movie that initial setup scene of the origin story of diana prince is one of my favorite parts of the whole movie seeing uh, little diana you know run away from her tutor and run out to see the the warriors fighting and how she is excited and that look in her eye as she watches them fight and practices fighting alongside them from the from far away it's one of the most touching points of of the movie and then just as she meets Steve Trevor and 
experiences a man for the first time. That part's pretty funny. And then, you know, wanting to leave and join the, the greater conflict out in the world. It's, it was just as good at the third or fourth time as it was the first time. I think uh, for me, I think one of the reasons that made it so good, um, this origin story was because of how new and refreshing it was. It was a story that, that most people don't know. Uh, if you're not reading comic books all the time and staying up with all the rewrites, you just don't know. Right. But, but with this, I mean, the last Wonder Woman movie or show or anything that we really saw was back in the 70s when with Linda Carter, right? Yeah. And she was playing, and I mean, that's before my time. I, I mean, I watched some reruns growing up in the 80s and such, but I, I never watched the whole series, so I have no idea what they did and didn't address. I still haven't watched it. So for me, this answered a lot of questions uh, as a fan, right? Where, you know, who is she? Where did she come from? How did she come to be Wonder Woman? And, and I just thought it was just a new story. Whereas we've seen Batman a million times. We've seen Superman. We've seen, you know, we know, um, Captain America's story. We know, uh, Hulk's story. We know these guys' stories, you know, so while we're watching the shows, we, we already know the story, but this one we didn't know. And I think that's what made it so good for me, you know, just like you, you know, you see her as a little kid and see her grow up in in this world that's separated from ours and and deals in a mythology that's not ours. And it was just interesting. I, I really liked it. And they really I think they captivated that, especially, you know, when uh, when Steve Trevor crashes and he's there checking everything out. And he's like, you know, why does the water do this? Why, why does this do it? It was just interesting, you know, because. I wanted to know too. I was asking the same question he did, and it was just enjoyable, right? I I, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, it was a very fresh take on the on a superhero story that we hadn't really seen before. First of all, the fact that you know it's it's a female character, Wonder Woman, and they're living in this isolated area, pretty similar to kind of the Thor mythology where you know they're gods, they live in separated from humans, and they watch the humans type thing. But yet, completely fresh, reinvigorating, and fun to watch. Um, I think in this the '70s show, I vaguely remember watching a few episodes uh, here and there. And Wonder Woman was always fighting crime in the city. Just kind of, it's kind of like a detective show where she would, you know, something would happen, she'd go step in and catch the bad guy, and then. That's the end of the the episode. You know, one hour TV show episodes, typical of the the seventies era. But we never—I don't remember ever seeing an origin story or her interacting with, you know, men for the first time, that type of thing. So definitely a, a new take on a character that's been around for quite some time. And then uh, as she leaves the mascara and goes out into the world with Steve Trevor, and from the beginning when they're on the boat. And they're talking about, you know, the pleasures of the flesh type thing. And from then on, it's just, it's just funny. There's a lot of a good banter between them. She's learning new things as she steps into London. She sees London and is like, oh, this is hideous. And it's completely different from the world she grew up on. It's almost like a 180 where men are in power. The city's dirty. Um, she has to wear these dresses that aren't good for fighting so totally out of her element but yes she has to learn to to adapt 
well, not necessarily learn to adapt, but she is experiencing these new things for the first time. And so that's, that's humorous to, I think any character in that situation where they're put in a new situation, I think that's a good idea for the story to well, have them learn new things. It's like the ultimate include like ultimate uh i don't i don't know the word i'm looking for but like it's like the ultimate uh version of her being so naive because of where she's from right she has no idea how this world works and i thought they incorporated that really well right yeah. i mean when she sees the baby and she's like oh a baby you know she's read about babies but she's never seen a baby uh you know she has you know for her life she grew up a warrior life she doesn't you know she asks you know how do women fight in these dresses she has no idea about the world uh, that she's in and and it was just kind of funny because it, it's so true if someone were to come in and look at these things from her perspective it it would seem you know just completely crazy to have to deal with you know the dresses how women are not allowed into meetings not allowed to do this and yeah. you know and it just brought a humor because it's so true and I think that's what made it funny too right because yeah. watching this and you're like oh that is funny you know, and uh, it kind of hits hits home in a way, you know? Yeah. And it's funny because she's probably the most powerful person on the planet at that time. You know, Superman hasn't landed. His ship hasn't crashed into Kansas yet. Batman's obviously not born. So as far as we know, she's one of the most powerful persons, but yet she can't hold the baby. She can't wear the, the clothes she wants to wear. You know, she's being kicked out of the war room to because she can't participate in the the planning but yet she's probably the most qualified person there to to plan a, an engagement a conflict because how she grew up so yeah uh put in situations where she's just baffled the whole time and it it came across really well in in her acting gal Gadot's acting uh then it moves on to they finally go to the front she's bugging steve trevor hey when are we gonna go to the front when are we gonna go find aries you know this is what i came to do so they finally they team up with some some guys to to help out and they head to the front and when she gets there it's totally not what she expected. I don't think she knew what to expect, but it's, it threw her for a loop. She was horrified by the the way the the people were being treated that you know the the most vulnerable the men, the women and the children and the animals weren't being cared for properly and it was just a brutal situation for her. And so she decides to do something about it. And Steve, you know, hey, that's not how, that's not what we do. We do it this way. But yet she bucks that trend as well and just hits the conflict head on and heads out into no man's land. And that's when we really see the power and the, the skill that um, Diana has, where she's able to basically fight off the whole German army that's there at that point and is able to get past them and start to you know, defeat them within that town that they go to. Yeah. I mean, this part was like her hero moment, right? It, yeah. it was so big. Cause you, I mean, you know, Wonder Woman is amazing. You kind of saw it in the, the movie that precluded this, you know, Batman versus Superman. You already know that she's amazing in some way, but you didn't really ever get to see her let loose. And then we get to see her, you know, run through and, you know, f you know, front line this entire army and break through, pick up tanks, throw them, you know, jump in a room, you know, toss 20 men around like it's not nobody's business. You know, it, it was just amazing. Uh, the visuals were amazing. The part in the story was amazing. 
you know, watching her resolve was amazing. You know, here this is is this lady who who just wants to save the world, and, and now's her chance. And it didn't matter what they said, you know, like when they first got there, they were like, no, we need to go. We're not going that way. We can't save everybody. And and as a hero, she's just like, no, that's my job is to save every person I can. And and she was going to do it regardless. And and it was just great. It was was a great sequence of events. It was a great visual show. It was a great part of the storyline. I loved it. And it really kind of brought out who Wonder Woman is inside right what she really stands for and uh and that and that's always great to see that that kind of character resolve like what am i going to do and what am i willing to do to to be a hero you know we see what batman w- will do we see what superman will do but what will wonder woman do and it, and i like that part it it really excited me as a fan to watch yeah. that yeah yeah it was definitely her shining moment like you said and it's interesting to to compare that to her attitude in, you know, Batman versus Superman, where she had decided to step out and not fight for mankind, and she wasn't going to get involved in that story. I mean, up until the point where uh, Doomsday is fighting Superman and kind of wrecking havoc, and she sees that on the news, you can see it in her face there. She's like, I told myself I'd never do this again, but yet... She's thinking, oh, I got to do it. So, you know, flashback to this movie, and we see that at one point, at one time, she was willing to do whatever it took. She had that fire, that desire to step in and change history and, you know, protect mankind. And so it's interesting, you know, how those two movies play off each other. Um, then after she has that battle, she decides she's going to go straight to the source and confront the man who she thinks is uh, the god of war, Ares, and ends up being that she isn't able to, to stop him, and Steve Trevor intervenes and prevents her from confronting him at that time. And it, as a consequence, they launch these gas missiles that destroy the village that she had just saved, and they all end up dying because of the gas that was released and so she runs out to the village and sees the destruction steve trevor follows her and she's incensed she's like how could you let this happen this is your fault we could have stopped him but she and so then she runs back to confront this general and stop him she thinks that he's the god of war so she confronts him and fights him for a little bit he has this it's revealed earlier in the movie that he has this um I guess it's a gas as well, but it grants him some super strength and gives him the energy that he needs. So he inhales the gas and able is able to go toe to toe with Wonder Woman for a little bit. And I think the the story and the writers sold that really well to help us uh, see or think that this man is the God of War. And spoiler alert: if you haven't seen Wonder Woman right now, you might want to fast forward or skip this part because we will spoil who is the god of war and so she fights this general and ends up defeating him pretty easily and she's waiting for the war to stop where her idea has always been she will go to the front fight Ares, defeat him 
then mankind will cease to want to fight each other because of Ares' evil influence on them, that they will automatically want to stop and just you know be, live in peace. So she defeats this man and nothing happens. So she confronts Steve Trevor and says, you know, what happened? How come they didn't stop fighting? And Steve tells her, I don't know. I think some people are just, are just, um, they want to fight. You know, it's in them. Some people are good. Some people aren't. And it doesn't matter. God of Aries or not, it doesn't matter. The people are going to be who they are. And so he doesn't like that answer. And it's very hard for her to process that. And she, for the moment, gives up hope. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, this was a good part in the overall development of Wonder Woman because I think it's important that each person goes through that soul-searching moment of of who they are, you know, just kind of their core. I mean, we saw that with Batman. We saw that with Superman. Um, you know, and, and this is Wonder Woman's, you know, opposition, you know. Here she is going to war, uh, fighting for the humans because she thinks humans are, are these great, great people, right? And they are. But... I think everyone can agree humans have flaws and you know so in her mind humans are built just to be magnificent period you know and now she sees that people want to fight just for the sake of fighting right they want to be evil for the sake of being evil you know and and then she confronts Ares and Ares says to her you know look I I might have shown them how to make certain bombs and do certain things, but I didn't tell them to fire the bomb. I didn't tell them to shoot the gun or be evil. And I think that was just such an eye-opener to her because she never she never thought of anything like that. She could never assume that here humans are and it's 100% because of Ares. And I think that was a, a real you know, soul shaker for her. And it was really hard for her to grasp that – People can be bad just to be bad. You know, she grew up in a in the Thermoscira where where there wasn't things like that. You know, you had a queen and everyone obeyed the queen orders and and no one really had these selfish kind of desires like that, it seems like, you know. And uh, and it was really good to watch that. It was really cool to see how, how that transpired in her and and you know, eventually, you know, she says to Ares, you know, you know, humans are everything that you say they are. They are evil. They can be corrupt. They can cause wars. But there's so much more. And and she sees the good in what humans are, whereas Ares can't. And uh, and then they fight. And and she wins, right? She wins the day. And, and it was amazing. And um, I think uh, Ares ended up being Sir Patrick. Is that who it was? Yeah. Yeah, he was a, a general or a leader in the English side. He was part of the, the war room that she was being kicked out of. So, yeah, he, he came initially he came across as a, a good guy, you know, that was trying to actually come up with a peace treaty to stop the war. So, yeah. Yeah, and and I'm sure, you know, like, you know, I've kind of thought about this, and I'm sure Ares had given up on humans long before, right? He'd been on the world's on earth since who knows when living with humans and really seeing what they do you know without his influence and you know i think he had just given up uh, one of the questions i had maybe you have a 
answer on this, Justin. I mean, I've kind of thought about a couple things, but you know, being how old and how experienced Aries is, how, how do you think or why do you think that Diana was was able to to defeat him so almost easily right at the end uh, yeah. once she kind of came to grips with who she was? You know, that's that was always kind of strange to me. But why do you think that? So yeah, um, so initially in this at the start of the film, she was given a sword or she stole a sword from the mascara to fight. And she had been told that the sword, well, it had been implied to her that the sword was the God killer and that with this sword, they could defeat Ares or any other God. And so she took this sword and ended up fighting, using it to fight Ares. And basically in the first 10 seconds of the fight, the sword is destroyed. And Wonder Woman is like, oh no, <laughs> that was supposed to defeat him. And yet he just brushed it off like it wasn't anything. And then Ares straight out tells her, no, the sword was never the God killer. You are the God killer. You were created to do, to fulfill that role. And so there's some innate power within her that allows her to defeat Ares. And I would assume any other God that challenges her. Um, but the... It took her a minute to to come to grips with that and to access channel that to be able to defeat Ares. And I think the defining moment was when um, Ares has her trapped, and he's gonna he's tired of fighting with her, and he's just gonna end it. But at the same time, Diana looks up and sees Steve Trevor flying off in a plane to save everyone, and then the plane blows up. And it's implied that Steve Trevor is killed in that plane. And so she's heartbroken. She realizes in that moment, and it's kind of revealed to the audience as well at that time, that he had told her that he loved her, but yet he had to go and, and do this thing, perform this ultimate sacrifice. And I think that is what woke up her. Because before, you know, 10 minutes or so, 15 minutes before in the movie, she'd kind of given up on humanity. So her mind wasn't in the right place. She was like, you know, these guys, they're, they're, they're killing each other. I don't trust them. I don't want to, I don't want to save them basically. Cause they're just, they're not worth it. But when Steve Trevor dies and her heart is broken, she realizes that love can conquer all that love is the most important thing. And no matter how bad people are, that love is what redeems them. And so she was able to change her mindset and she wasn't all in up until that point. She was just kind of going through the motions. She still had that, some of that naivete where she's like, I'll just show up and Ares will be defeated and then everything will be hunky-dory. But up until that moment, she hadn't, she didn't realize what was at stake and what um, her potential was. And I think it was love that helped her realize that so if Steve Trevor hadn't have died, um, I don't think she would have realized that and wouldn't have been able to defeat Ares. So that's my take on it. Yeah. No, that, that's a definitely a good point for sure. Um, uh, it, it's interesting. I've read a bunch of different theories on that, you know, and uh, so it's good to hear people's theories. But, uh, I mean, myself, I, I don't really know. There could be, you know, I've thought about your angle. Uh, I kind of thought about too at the first of the movie it shows that Ares gets struck down by Zeus, right? And so I just assume that, you know, well maybe he's just still 
he, he's weakened for good, right? He, he's never going to be what he once was. And, and so here, uh, Wonder Woman is, you know, almost an equal to him, but because she's never had her powers diminished, overall she could be more powerful. And once she learns to access that power, she will be able to kill him. You know, because she will be overall more powerful. But that, I mean, hard to say, right? There's a lot of theories out there. They're interesting, but just a yeah. good, good show. I mean, I easily give this one an an A, maybe an A minus, just because um, you have to be somewhat uh, object, you know, objective. But uh, yeah. <laughs> it it really was an amazing show. If you haven't seen this, go go see it. Get the movie, you know, from you know digital platform. I use Vudu. I know. Justin here uses uh, the iTunes, um, but, um, you know, get it. Tell us what you think of it. Did you like it? Did you not like it? I know there's a – before this show, there was a lot of hate for DC movies in general, but I think this really kind of brought people back like, wow, they, they have a quality product, and it, it's amazing. Yeah. So tell us what you think, you know. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Why did you hate it? And don't just say, I don't like Wonder Woman because – she looks funny. Tell me why you, why you don't like her, you know. Is she too powerful? Is she too good? I think for me that's always been like a Superman argument. Superman's just too good of a superhero. But, uh, you know, what, why, why don't you like her? Why do you like her? Just let us know, you know. Yeah. And I think it's interesting how this movie mirrors a lot of the what happens in Dawn of Justice with Batman versus Superman where Superman's conflicted. You know, everyone hates him because he's too powerful, like you said, and they don't trust him. He was there when the Capitol building blew up, so everybody's like, oh, who is this Superman? He's killing people. So he's kind of lost faith in humanity as well, but his love for Lois, an, another human, which mirrors Wonder Woman's love for Steve Trevor, um, is what brings him back and what's help, and helps him decide, you know, I need to sacrifice myself or do whatever it takes to defeat Doomsday to save the human race. And so he's able to do that based on his love for Lois and ultimately the human race. And so a lot of similarities there between those two movies. And I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but um, Dawn of Justice was a darker movie than Wonder Woman. And yeah, Wonder Woman out on digital right now. It was released, I think, August 29th or so, 26th, something like that. But then the actual Blu-ray DVD release will be later this month, later in September. So check it out. Let us know what you think. All right. So that is Wonder Woman, what we think. Uh, We may or may not come back to that at a later time. I think if we do come back to it, it'll be because... Justice League came out. We want to revisit it and, and see how it fits into that story. But I think as a general movie review, that's that's our final take. I, too, give it an A, A- minus at, at worst. So definitely one of the best movies out there. Now let's move into Salt Lake Comic Con news. Salt Lake Comic Con will be held on September 21st through September 23rd at the Salt Palace Convention Center in Salt Lake City, Utah. They just announced Zachary Levi as their latest guest on Thursday, August 31st. That was announced. Uh, Zachary Levi came to Fan X, I believe, um, back in March of 2017. 
and me and Mark was able to go to one of his panels and listen to him talk. He's hilarious. One of the funniest guys out there that's that we've seen. And he's been in movies such as Chuck, obviously. He was Chuck and Chuck. And um, he's been in the last Thor movie, Thor um, The Dark World. He was one of Thor's buddies, Fandral. Helped him escape from, from the palace and... Um, he's also been entangled. He was Flynn Rider entangled in the animated show and was hilarious in that movie. Um, if you have a chance to go see Zachary Levi, either at Salt Lake Comic Con or any other convention, I recommend wholeheartedly that you check him out. He, he's a pretty funny guy. Uh, we, we saw him in the panel and then we also saw him in an autograph line. Do you want to talk a little bit about that mark uh in the autograph line or just talk just talk to him in general he i mean yeah i remember going to his panel uh, i definitely liked it some of the panels i kind of get bored at i don't know if any you know if you guys have been to comic-con some of them are just kind of fall flat you know you expect a little more but yeah i remember his i ended up liking a lot a lot of laughs uh he was definitely funny um I didn't really know who he was at the time. I hadn't done a lot of uh, research on him. Uh, but, yeah, you know, he plays in a lot of different shows. Uh, I know he does a voiceover in in Robot Chicken. I, I don't know who's into that. <laughs> but if you're into that, I, he does Robot Chicken. Uh, he does quite a bit of things, actually. I've been kind of looking. Um, I, I think he plays a voice in Alvin and the Chipmunks. Yeah. Uh, from what I'm seeing. So yeah, he, I mean, he's done quite a few things. I I definitely think the biggest ones he is is you know is in Thor and Tangled. He plays Flynn. I, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure most people know that. So um, definitely a good addition, I think, uh, for the things he's done, um, especially with Thor Ragnarok coming out. Um, I'm not sure if he's get, supposed to be in the new the new ones, but uh, in the new movie. But you know, he's been there. I think that's. It's great to have him to come. I'm, I'm excited to have him, you know, five time and and things like that. I'll, I'll probably go listen to another one of his, uh, uh, you know, his panels he does. Maybe go get a signature, say hi to him. Uh, you know, he generally they're pretty good guys. You know, they're good to go talk to. I know a lot of people get nervous about going and talking to actors and these famous people, but a lot of them just, just love to talk. You know, they just want to say hi. They want to meet their fans. They're excited. Uh, so definitely go go meet him. Go say hi. Go get his autograph. Uh, he'll he'll be happy to have you, and and it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. So it looks like he's not listed for Thor Ragnarok, at least in IMDb. So that's interesting. Um, he was in Heroes Reborn, the reboot of Heroes. I remember he was like one of the main characters, but I didn't end up watching that show because I wasn't wasn't too interesting. <laughs> Maybe it got better as time went on. But um, <laughs> I, I I never watched it either. I um, I liked the original, but just never got into the reboot. Yeah. Um, so we'll probably give it a try later. But as far as um, him at uh, FanX, which is kind of the mini Salt Lake Comic Con that they have every March 
February time frame. He was there, and we were there as well. We were getting an autograph from, oh, what's his name? He was in Star Wars Episode Seven, one of the X-Wing fighter pilots. All of a sudden, his name is escaping me. Um, he's in all the J.J. Abrams movies, uh, TV shows. Uh, he's a little heavier set guy. I oh, he, he was in Lost, right? Yeah, briefly. But he was uh, in Heroes as well, the original Heroes. But we were getting his autograph. It'll come to me in a minute. But we were getting his autograph, and we were standing in line, and then Zachary Levi's booth was right next to his. So he came out, and then they started bantering back and forth and cracking jokes, ripping on each other. And so he, it was pretty entertaining just to sit there and watch him talk. So he's very outgoing, very funny, uh, off-the-cuff type stuff. So uh, great, great addition to Salt Lake Comic Con. He also has this... Um, I don't know if it's a company or, or what it is, but it's called Nerd HQ, where he does T-shirts. Greg Grunberg. Yeah, Greg Grunberg. Greg Grunberg. Grunberg. <laughs> yeah, sorry Double for G. the interruption, but uh... no, you're fine. So he does. Nerd, uh, Zachary does uh, Nerd HQ. I know that it has a presence at Salt Lake Comic Con, or no, sorry, San Diego Comic Con, and um, he's on Facebook, active with Nerd HQ. So if you have a chance to check that out, uh, follow. Follow them on Nerd HQ, and he does a he has a charity uh, presence as well. He likes to be charitable and help those with, who are less fortunate. So great addition to Salt Lake Comic Con. I'll probably uh, go to his panel I, unless it conflicts with something even more amazing. But I plan on going to his panel at the end of this month. Let's now move into our next segment where we talk about the books that we like to read. This week we'll focus on The Dresden Files by Jim Butcher. Uh, We had mentioned earlier about uh, a series. I called it a new series, but in reality it's been around for quite some time. Uh, The Dresden Files. Um, I think it's new to most people because it has been under the the radar. There was a a sci-fi TV series for that lasted only one season, so I think that's probably the biggest exposure it's gotten outside of the books. But uh, we've been reading it. Mark and I have been reading it for quite some time. He's been reading it longer than I have, but it's enjoyable series, and I'll let him take the lead and, and talk about it. Oh, what's to say, uh, Jim Butcher? amazing author he is coming to salt lake comic con by the way so if you're a fan show up if you're not a fan still show up it is a he's a great author uh he writes a couple different series the one that i'm excited that i'm really into is called the dresden files uh this series has been around a long time it came out in april of 2000 so it's quite an old series but there is a ton of books out uh there I think 15 books now inside the series, plus a lot of different short stories. Uh, so it's it's got a lot. I know a lot of people get worried about picking up new series because they'll read three or four books, they'll be caught up, and they'll have to wait two years for the next book, etc. There's a lot of books in this series. How long and, are the books typically? Generally, uh, between three to 400 pages. I think some maybe you know, get a little more, some get a little less, but between three and 400 pages, simple reads, really great reads. Um, 
generally what how the books are is they talk about a specific event within a certain amount of time. So you're not reading a book about a five-year period. You're reading a book about a specific event in this guy's life. So and so how it starts is first book is called Stormfront. And how it starts off is it talks about this guy who, whose name's Harry and he's a wizard. We've heard that story before. But it's not, you know, a wizard as in, you know, magical, you know, castles and things like that, like you've seen in Harry Potter. It's like, what if magic really was real and it existed in today's world? And it's really interesting how he how he combines that. And so here here's this guy named Harry and he has a business that he's a private investigator and he actually he actually promotes that he's a wizard. And he's like, hey, I'm a wizard. I find things. I do these different things, yada, yada. And a lot of people think he's a fake. But when they come to him to find something, you know, they, they see something different. And it's pretty interesting kind of how Jim Butcher uses it to, you know, uses logic to explain the magic off. Because a lot of people would say, well, you know, I, if this guy's doing magic, why don't people believe in magic? And, you know, he just kind of explains it like, well, people will see it. But then they they trick themselves into you know I didn't really see that, or maybe it was a trick or or something. And who is going to believe this one guy that's ranting about a wizard that cast a spell or or whatever? It's really interesting, and it just follows his life through um, the different different fights he has and uh, you know things he goes through as he grows up. It starts when he's 25 years old, so he's you know young guy and you know. I think a lot of people can, you know, kind of relate to that age, what you're going through. And, you know, follows him through. He he has to deal with different things. You know, he deals with werewolves. He deals with fairies. He deals with vampires. He deals with the, uh, what is it, the, the Kemmler people, you know, kind of the undead people. Uh, he just deals with a lot of things. And it's really interesting how Jim Butcher just makes it all fit in today's world and really makes sense. And I, and I just enjoy it. And, uh, you know, he, as the books go on, uh, they kind of start to come together. When you first start this series, you're going to feel like you're reading a lot of standalone books. Like you're going to read the first book Stormfront, and you make, like, okay, that's a good story. You read the second book. That's a good story. And then by about the fourth or fifth book, it starts coming together. You start realizing these these uh, adventures he's dealing with are are connected and they're connected through you know conspiracy and it gets deeper and explains it more it's really a good series and i'd really suggest everyone pick up at least the first book and read it i have a a brother and sister-in-law who who are definitely not into the fantasy world and i I gave them this book, Stormfront, and they loved it. They they read most of the series, actually. I think they stopped reading maybe four books ago, and that was mostly because I stopped giving them the books. <laughs> but they really enjoyed the books. They they uh, had a lot of fun with it. Um, I know I, I think I got Justin into it, um, and he, he really enjoys it. I mean, it's something we enjoy. When Jim Butcher first wrote this series, he wanted it to be a graphic novel. Uh, and he pitched it to his editor, I guess, and his editor shot him down saying, you know, that's a horrible idea. And then like six or seven books later, the series was doing so good that 
he made actually graphic novels out of it. So he has, I think, six or seven different graphic novels that you can get. He has a book called Side Jobs, which is a bunch of short stories uh, about, you know, what's going on between the books. And that's really interesting. Um, the TV show, I watched like two episodes of it, and then I couldn't watch it anymore. <laughs> I just uh, could not get into it, right? Um, but the reason we're talking about this, they're coming out with a new book uh, called Peace Talks. Uh, we, I was hoping that they would uh, have a release date by now. But they haven't. Uh, but it, it's on the docket. I know it's one of his next books he's coming out with. And what this one's about is it's just kind of what it what it says. It's about peace talks. Throughout the book, there's a lot of wars going on between different uh, different groups. You know, vampires are fighting each other. They're fighting humans. They're fighting wizards. Wizards are fighting fairies, etc. And so this is a peace talk to try to just make everything peaceful again. Um, and through the books, he kind of explains that in general, you know, everyone just wants peace. You know, people don't just want nonstop war. So this is kind of uh, about coming to the table and having peace talks. But, you know, as you read the books, you come to realize that there's just no such thing as sitting down and having a nice conversation when when Harry Dresden's around. So it, it's not going to happen. It'll be really interesting to see what they do. I have my own theories what's going to happen. Um, but, uh, on, on our website, uh, I'm going to start getting these up. I had a bunch up before and, and then we switched, uh, platforms, but, uh, I'm going to start writing some, um, some book, what, what are those called? Reviews. Yeah. Some book reviews, uh, <laughs> on these books and, and just read them. See if you like them, pick a book up. Uh, they're really good. Like I said, 300 pages doesn't take that long. Uh, try it and if you like digital platform get it um he has a couple different series out that are that are good uh i i just can't say enough about this series jim butcher and uh i've met him a couple times i've been to california i've been to new york i've you know he's come to salt lake i've, I've had his autograph on quite a few of the books and uh, he has a good team around him priscilla she's one of the main people that are around him uh justin and i have met her we went to your New York Comic Con. We went to a uh, – it was like a Jim Butcher get-together, I guess. Yeah, or, fan meetup. Yeah, fan meetup. And it was really fun. We had a good time um, getting to know them. So they're good people. Uh, like I said, if you're looking for a new series, yeah. this, this is definitely something worth reading. I, I mean, tell us what you think about it, Justin. I mean, I, I can't say much more, really. <laughs> yeah. Does Harry have a girlfriend? You know, <laughs> it's interesting. So poor Harry, this guy, he has worse uh, luck with girls than I can ever imagine. Um, yes and no. We don't really know. Yeah. He, <laughs> uh, he does last... have girlfriends throughout the story, but they come and go, right? Yes. I mean, his first girlfriend um, get, ends up getting turned into a, a half vampire and has to leave. Uh, he got a second girlfriend who ended up being <laughs> like his imagination yeah. and then ended up being ended up finding out it was, you know, one of the fallen angels um, gets, you know, just girlfriends here and there. I think the girl that's really stuck around most from since book one is a, is a character called Karen Murphy. Yeah. Karen Murphy is a she's a police officer. 
Um, she's uh, she runs a division in the police force that deals with these kind of unexplained events that just can't be explained away easy. And she often works with Harry to figure out, you know, different things. And then she can just kind of, you know, dot her I's and cross her T's and let everyone outside, you know, outside off on it. And throughout the books, they just have a really complicated relationship. And uh, in the very end, the last book that we had called Skin Games, they just kind of, you're not sure if they actually get together, but they've always liked each other. And it kind of seems like they're going to move forward with their relationship now. But she's probably the one girl in his life that's really stuck around. So um, it's kind of hard to say, does he have a girlfriend? But um, but he, he seems like a ladies' man because he's always got a different girlfriend. Yeah, yeah and I asked that because it kind of humanizes him in a way that um, a lot of these magical stories and fantastic stories don't. Um, he's kind of the anti-hero as well. You know when Harry Dresden shows up, there's going to be a lot of crap hitting the fan. Uh, whether he causes it personally or just because he's there and people are reacting to him being there, every time he shows up, chaos ensues. And he gets his, gets right in the middle of things and you know wants to fix things. So that's it's always a fun read. It's very fast-paced. All the books you know flow really well together. Like you said, the first couple are you think they're standalones but then they start to come together and the story starts to move forward and progress but each individual book each story is very fast-paced and you just power through it because it's you just want to see what happens next and then at the end you have a conclusion and then you're on to the next book and more stuff happens so it's kind of a detective story is uh kind of a fantasy type story where there's you know wizards vampires other dimensions it's also there's some love story in there with you know his girlfriends and there's just it's pretty edgy as well I, this is not for kids i would say if you're 15, 14 15 and under you probably shouldn't read this or at least get your parents permission but uh, definitely a lot of a lot of fights a lot of battles so it can you know, a little, I don't want to say graphic, but it's descriptive of what's happening. So definitely adult in nature in the sense that, you know, I would say it's at least PG-13. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, and it starts out not so much like that. You know, when you start reading the books, it's just, you know, wizard throwing down with supernatural forces. And then as the story progresses, uh, you know, different things get involved. And like, like Justin says, it gets more graphic, um, you know, gets a little bit more violent, things like that. But the story just gets better. Everything gets better. And uh, I mean, a, a lot of books that are series that are this length, and I, and I used Robert Jordan as an example, because he wrote a great series. And then around book nine or 10, he, he just kind of dried out as almost like, he was having a hard time telling the story or there was so much he just had to stop and make books about nothing just to complete stories. And this book series just doesn't really seem like that. There's always something going on. The story is continually progressing. Character development is on par. Like everybody's getting explained. You know, even brand new characters have this great backstory that 
tie-in. Or a character will emerge seven books later and it and it's perfect. Like you didn't miss anything. You don't need to know what it is because it's already been set in stone so well. It's just – it's really good. Uh, I, I can't – I mean I wish I could have a better word or better phrase than it's really good. But it's just a great series. Pick it up. Read it. Come meet you know, Jim Butcher. Um you know, there's there's not enough to be said about this, really. Um, it is. I can't wait for the next book. That's that's how excited I am. I mean, this book. There's been times I've I've just hated Harry. There's been times I've loved him. There's a book I read. I think it was Changes, where I just felt so bad for the guy. I could have like cried reading the book, right? I mean, uh, you know, when he's it's a story about him trying to save his daughter. It was just. I mean, it's just really brilliant writing from this author and um i know he's coming out as well with a couple more short stories uh that will be he'll be releasing the short stories are you know 20 page stories about uh, things that are going on between the main books because we don't really know what happens and sometimes between the main books main books a year will go by sometimes two or three months will go by you know that kind of changes, so it just kind of talks about what's going on between there, which is which is pretty nice, and they're pretty funny stories too. And you get to read a, more about some of those um, secondary or thirdary characters that you don't get to know a whole lot about. Kind of brings them more to life, which I like too, because sometimes I wonder, well, what about this character? What are they doing? What have they been up to? Oh, well, there you go. So it's great. I I mean, I don't know. I'm. I don't know, Justin, what do you think? Is there any criticisms that you really have on this book as far as, you know, kind of a drawback? Mm, no. Uh, I think the only drawback that I've ever had would be how there's always this big event at the end of the book. And that's that's typical of these type of stories where there's this major event. Harry's in the in the mix of things and he's always about ready to die, but yet he somehow pulls it out and defeats everyone at the end. And I think that's just a, a trope that's played in a lot of stories. But yet at the same time, as time goes on, you can kind of see how that strengthens Harry for the next battle he has to fight. So there is a purpose to it. I just think it's been done so many times that it's it's overused, I guess. That would be the only criticism I have. Of the of the series, yeah. No, I can see that. Just kind of like the, the, almost like the hero syndrome, right? No matter what, you know, the hero is gonna win, right? Kind of thing, and that's been interesting. Um, I think for me, probably one of the things I like about that is that even throughout the books, you see him lose, right? Maybe the end of the book, yeah. he he wins, but. Throughout the books, you see him lose. I mean, think about, uh, you know, changes. I brought that up. Now, this book, I'm, I'm going to give something away. He, he has to kill a lady in order to save his daughter. And this lady that he has to kill is actually someone very important to who he is in his life and his development as a character. And uh, and he has to do that, you know, for the greater good, you know, to to, to save – the world to save his daughter, you know, and he has to make these choices that define who he is. And, um, and, you know, there's times that you just see him lose, like maybe he wins at the end of the day, but 
at what cost? I think right. that's the better that's the better term. You know, he wins, but at what cost? And uh, it's pretty interesting. I, I really like that that idea because you know even winning doesn't come without a price. And I think that's kind of what what the stories are getting at. Yeah, yeah. There always is a, a cost or a consequence to what happens. So it's not a generic. Oh yeah, the bad guys going to defeat him but oh at the last second harry defeats him you know beats the bad guy it's not that generic and there's always a cost it always you know that victory always comes back in a later story you see the consequence of that whether good or bad so there is that and that's definitely one of the the positive things as well definitely so like you said great great series pick it up um, I think you can get it for like $10 from Barnes & Noble. I'm sure you can get them elsewhere. Uh, read the first book before the end of the month. See if you like it. If you like it, you know, show up at Comic-Con. Uh, let Jim Butcher know he likes to meet his fans. I've, like I said, I probably have like 10 books that have an autograph. I know Justin's had an autograph from him. Yeah. So um, definitely a series worth reading. We'll be talking about this more and more, especially as new books come out. Uh, you know, if anyone has questions or, or ideas or want to know more, I can go in more in depth about these books. You know, I don't want to give tons away, but I, I will go into as depth as anyone wants. I can talk about these books all day. I've yeah. probably read the series four or five times to where it's at now, and, and I'll keep reading them because it's just that good of a book. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to talk about 15 books, 15 plus books in generalities. Uh, so I'm sure Mark will be breaking it down book by book at some point, whether on this podcast or on their blog. So check it out, send him some questions, tell him you hated it or you loved it or anything in between. Just let us know and we'll engage in a conversation with you about it. Okay. Let's now transition from books into comics. We'll be talking about the dark tower series by Stephen King I recently went out and bought a bunch of digital downloads for these comics. It's kind of how I do things nowadays because, you know, especially with comic books, they just keep going and going and going. There's always a new issue or there's a reboot of the series. So either I have a thousand comics in my basement or I just have it on my iPad. So I've gone with a less clutter, uh, easy access route of having the digital copies on my iPad. But I did buy the Dark Tower comics. They're actually a prequel to the main story from that started with the Gunslinger and you know that whole series, and as well as the movie The Dark Tower. Uh, it starts out with Roland the Gunslinger as a a child learning and training to become a gunslinger. He, him, and his group, his cohort of of individuals who are about his same age, are training with a master. And they have to essentially train with him for a while, for a period of time, and then they challenge him to a duel. And whoever can defeat him is able to move on and become a gunslinger. Uh, however, his his father is out of town. He's traveling and fighting the war, so he's not at home. But his mother is, and he walks in on his mother and the man in black, which is the main bad guy, Walter, from the from the series they're in a relationship and he become becomes incensed and hates this guy so he decides to challenge his mentor his trainer to become a gunslinger 
uh, two years earlier than he anticipated and planned on doing. But he's able to do it out of his um, his hatred for this this guy. He's able to overcome and defeats his his mentor and is given the guns that allow him to be a gunslinger. And he challenges the man in black. And so it's it starts out like that. Um, you realize that the man in black and Roland have a long history, which was something that was re- revealed to me in reading this comic. Uh, it's several issues long and so I'll just uh, start with this first issue and kind of how the story starts how Roland and the man in black how they you know gain their animosity towards one each other it starts out when he's a when he's a kid and has to um, take action into his own hands and try and defeat the man in black he obviously fails because the man in black is still around several years later but he, he learns some lessons and his father ends up showing up and um, chastises him for for being hot-headed and sends him off on a mission. So that's how the story starts. Uh, continue to read and continue to update as time goes on for that series. But I definitely check this out. I, I wouldn't recommend starting with this comic book series. To start off the series, I would start off with the books just because you get a little more it's kind of the comics are kind of a, a filler backstory um, if you have the reference of the books and have that uh, storyline set in your mind and kind of know what's going on there to go back and read the comics it's a more en- enriching experience and something that adds to the main story which is the books so it's kind of a I would say the comics are a secondary story to the main story of the books that, that would be my recommendation but so far, I'm liking it. the 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 story is good. The, the illustrations are great. You know, some comics you you're looking at the illustrations and you're just not feeling it, but these ones are pretty pretty vibrant in color. Pretty, you know, show the the action in the panels, and uh, definitely easy to follow. So, I'd recommend starting with these the first issue, the first. Um, the they, they're now in these what do they call them when they put them all together <laughs> the the names escaping me the the volumes uh the first volume is the gunslinger born and it starts out with what i just talked about but it, it was created by stephen king uh, written by robin firth and peter david and then there's a variety of artists that have worked on this this series so you know, check out uh, the Gunslinger Born in comic book graphic novel form, and give it a go, and let us know what you think. Great. No, that sounds good. So, does it follow it? You said it's just kind of like an outline, but it follows the general storyline, or is it its own story? Yeah, it it's a prequel to this the main story. So it it definitely there is you know it builds upon each other like there's nothing that i've so far anyway that i've read in the comics that contradict the the main story in the books so they you know they definitely support the story in the books they enhance it they give more background more detail and just kind of round out the story that that you grown to love in the in the books okay okay perfect yeah. yeah it might be a series i have to pick up i mean i i've never read this series either but uh definitely yeah. sounds good 
yeah, like I said, I definitely recommend reading the novels first and then going back and kind of filling in the blanks and the backstories with, with the comics. But that's it for today. Um, I've talked a lot about uh, DC movies, which we tend to do. So I apologize, kind of, not really, but <laughs> we will get back to it at some point. Uh, there just hasn't been any Marvel movies really uh, outside of Spider-Man and Guardians of the Galaxy 2, and we have talked about those. But the next upcoming movie would be Thor 3 in November and Justice League in mid-November. So those are the next big superhero movies. We have It coming out next week that we'll... We'll have a guest on for that. Uh, I've got a friend, Jordan, who's big-time Stephen King fan. Read all the books multiple times, seen the movies, TV shows multiple times. So he's kind of the, the go-to Stephen King expert. So we'll be bringing him him on in a week or two and talking with him about it, as well as The Dark Tower, which came out last month. Um, books that are yep. coming out, uh, just Oathbringer from Brandon Sanderson. We talked about him last podcast. Definitely go check out his books, uh, get caught up. Uh, his books are fairly long, so you probably need to start reading now to get caught up for Oathbringer. But they tour.com has um, chapters that they they're re they're pre-releasing before the book comes out. So if we want to read a couple of chapters about Oathbringer, I think they're releasing two or three a week until the release of the book. I think he's, Brandon's saying he wants to get a third of the book out there before it's even released. So I don't read those. So yeah, if you guys read them, don't comment, don't post. Yeah, it's uh, definitely spoiler material. Yeah, don't, don't, don't do that. But, uh, um, you know, just tell us if you like it, but don't don't tell us, oh, so and so died or this character's me. Don't don't ruin it for other people. But uh, um, I don't read those generally because I like to just sit down and I I go crazy when I read. Right, I'll sit down and read four hours at a time. So I hate when I read, you know, three chapters and I have to wait two weeks for the next chapter. I just would like to have it all right in front of me. Yeah, I, I did that one time. I think it was with one of Robert Jordan's final books. And it was great while I was reading it, but like you said, you, you read a couple chapters, and you're like, oh, crap, now i got to wait a week for the next one. And that's just not my reading style, so I stopped doing it after that. Um, yeah, Comic-Con's coming up. We'll keep you updated with what's happening there. We'll definitely be there mm -hmm. on the ground, interviewing people, taking pictures, taking video, posting them to our websites, and just yeah. trying to be as interactive as possible with Salt Lake Comic-Con. Live feeds, uh, we're going to be, you know, like you said, talking to people, trying to interview people. I believe we're going to have some swag. So if you see yep. us, come say hi. We'll give you some swag. Um, trying to get our name out there, everything. We, we like we like fans, so come say hi to us. Yep. All right, so that's, that's all for this episode. We want to thank you for listening. Uh, we appreciate your patience. Uh, we are trying to improve as we go along. It's, like I said, it's episode five. So we have a lot to learn. We're hopefully going to get to episode before then we'll be a little more polished and professional, but it is a work in progress. We appreciate any comments, feedback that you have to give us, whether online or you can contact us directly. Um, 
our email is randomangst at me.com. Feel free to drop us a line. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash randomangst where we try to be as active as possible and post something daily. Definitely comment there. You can message us there or leave comments about our episodes. Give us feedback. Please, please, please. We we recognize that we have a lot to learn and we want to figure out what that is sooner rather than later. These episodes can be found on iTunes by searching Random Angst as well as on SoundCloud.com slash Random Angst. We have started up a Patreon um, account where if you want to donate a dollar a month or more, it's up to you. But uh, donating a dollar a month will help us improve our episodes by upgrading our equipment. Um, I just got a new microphone and Mark doesn't have a microphone yet. So, you know, the funds would go towards stuff like that as well as swag. We definitely want to give away T-shirts, wristbands, you know, whatever. We can keychains, whatever we can to help promote our, our podcast as well as uh, give you guys free stuff. So, you know, donating a dollar a month, which is, you know, you're basically buying me and Mark a soda to share once a month. So not a lot of money, but something that will go a long way as we try to improve our podcast but you can check that out on patreon.com slash random angst and that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com patreon.com slash random angst we're also on twitter at random angst and tumblr random angst pretty much any social websites uh, we're there so check us out give us feedback let us know how we're doing any final thoughts Mark before we, we let them go uh, no, just thanks for listening. Uh, I know this episode's a little long, but uh, we have lots to talk about. We enjoy talking about it. Uh, you know, take your time through the episodes. Break it up in half. You know, break it up in the thirds. Just listen. Tell us what you think. We love feedback. We love fans. Um, we want to make this interesting for everyone, most of all for you. So feedback, please. Thanks, guys. Yep, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We will be discussing um, our favorite topic, DC movies. <laughs> we just went on and on about Wonder Woman, but so we won't be addressing that. This is more kind of an overview of Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League. Obviously, Justice League hasn't come out, but it will play into what we're, we're talking about. Um, and the reason why I'm talking about these movies is because in anticipation of Wonder Woman, me and my wife, we ended up watching Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about that and kind of how, what her take on was it on these movies as well as mine. But I read something interesting a few weeks ago about these movies, uh, Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League, that initially... When Man of Steel came out and it did well, that everybody expected Man of Steel 2, I think. that's At least that's what I was expecting, and that's kind of what I was reading is, you know, at, at Comic-Con they're going to announce Man of Steel 2, but it ended up being Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. So I thought that was curious. And initially, you know, I wasn't thinking of, of things this way, but it, 
the Man of Steel, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League is actually going is set up as a trilogy. So it's Zack Snyder's trilogy of uh, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, the Trinity. And if you didn't know, Wonder Woman was produced and Zack Snyder was also involved in, in writing it. So it is a Zack Snyder produced and written movie with Patty Jen- Jenkins directing it. So Zack Snyder was heavily involved in Wonder Woman and the production and creation of that story. So he does have his fingerprints on that as well. But uh, initially me and my wife, we ended up, we were watching Dawn of Justice. And she's not too hot on that show. She's she's watched it a couple times. She saw it in theaters, saw it on um, home video. And it's one of my favorite movies, if you can't tell. So she tries to watch it and figure out why it's my favorite movie. <laughs> And she still hasn't figured that out. But for me, there's a lot of story in this movie. I think, Mark, you've talked about that in previous podcast episodes where Dawn of Justice, there's a lot of story, a lot of setting up things for the end in the next movie. And so I think a lot of people get turned off by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's kind of slow in some parts and a lot of parts actually. And I, I recognize that as well. But for me, it's story is just as important as any battle or fight scene. I mean, you you can have all the fight scenes you want, but if there's no story, then it's kind of boring. I mean, look at Transformers. A lot of awesome action scenes, but not a lot of story, and that's where the Transformers movies fall. You know, that's their downfall. But it's it's fun to watch. But with this Dawn of Justice movie, a lot of, a lot of storytelling, setting up things. We're introduced to Batman. Um... You know, he's an older Batman, older Bruce Wayne. He's had a lot of bad things happen to him, and he's kind of resorted resorted to um, being a more of a vigilante, and he's more aggressive with the people he's, he catches. I mean, we see him brand people, which the branding is basically a mark of death because they go to prison, and then they end up killing the people with the, those brands on him, and he knows that, and he doesn't care. He just wants to get what he wants to get. And there is some dialogue in the movie between him and um, his butler. And they they talk about how you know things have changed. It's a different game. It's a different era. Batman's a little more aggressive and he's dark. He doesn't care. The things, the bad things that have happened in Gotham, all the the criminals they've put away, it doesn't matter. They we're still back to square one. <clears throat> There are no good people. His attitude at the beginning of the movie is there are no good people in Gotham. Everyone's bad. And it's his job to to stop that. But yet he's kind of joining that crowd as well. Yeah. No, I I love it, actually. I think one of the biggest things, biggest gripes, I guess, I have against fans that watch this show and, and don't like it is that I've heard a lot of people say a couple things. One, Batman is too violent. I I don't I think what people forget is that Batman isn't a superhero like what we think of other superheroes, like Superman. He doesn't have powers. He doesn't have, you know, super strength or super whatever. He just has hard work and a lot of money. Right? That's what he has. And 
And so as a person that's trying to fight crime, he has to make choices that that he deems are necessary for the advancement of 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 a social class or a social of a community that that is good, right? He can, you know, he doesn't have the luxury of picking someone up and flying him and setting him in jail. He doesn't have the luxury of being able to pick up a car and throw it and stop people from getting run over or block bullets, you know, whatever it is. He doesn't have that luxury. So ultimately, he's had to make these decisions in his life about being the dark knight. Now, when they say the dark knight, they don't just mean it's because his, his clothing's dark. It's because he has to make decisions. He's the kind of guy where the the phrase, the pathway to hell is paved with good intentions, comes to mind. He's he, In the original comic books, he does some crazy things to to promote this justice. And I think that's what people forget is that he, he doesn't have the luxury and the, and the stuff that, uh, you know, Wonder Woman and, and, uh, and Superman has, you know, he has to do with whatever he, he has to do, whatever he has to do to get it done. And I like that. I enjoy it. Another thing that people say is that, Oh, Batman killed general Zod, you know, in the, in the man of steel. Yeah. And, um, you know, he didn't do that. That was so brutal and that was just crazy. But people forget that Superman killed General Zod in the original Christopher Reeves one too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, maybe he didn't snap his neck all crazy like this one, but he, he killed General Zod. You know, he killed all three of them. It's what they did. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, it, people, I just think they forgot or they want to have a reason to be upset. I, I don't know, but those are things I enjoyed because, like I said, it, it's story. It's part of who they are. It's part of them, def, you know, de being defined. And I just think that movies these days have gotten out of storytelling and gotten into the idea of let's have big booms and bangs and make a billion dollars and and not really have a lot of substance in there. But I like substance, and I don't mind how slow it is. Kind of like you, I I enjoy it. I embrace it. So, I mean. I mean, that's my take on those things, you know, just kind of the gripes. And But I, I can't get over these series, and, and I have yet to really find someone, and I think Justin has too, that really had a, a, an amazing reason not to like it. I mean, I, what did what did your wife say? What, did, what would she say about not liking it? Did she kind of give a reason, or was it just kind of the same old reasons? Well, her reasons are, they're valid, and it's more of a... Um, an opinion and that's fine and I understand where why she doesn't like it and I respect it and it's because it's too dark the show's too dark there's not the Superman you know saving cat out of cats out of trees you know why are why are Superman and Batman fighting I thought they were supposed to be friends you know those are valid questions and valid opinions but that's not this movie I think that's kind of been the thing that's turned off people the most is it's not an uplifting movie and I'll talk a little bit more about that later but um, I think people went into it expecting one thing and it's not that thing it's something else entirely and it's spelled out very uh, simply in the movie that it is a darker movie um, you, you start out the movie with Metropolis being destroyed which in Man of Steel that's probably the most brutal and violent and worst moment 
in that show's history, in that world's history, you know, that destruction of Metropolis. And that's how this movie starts out. The worst moment in that universe's history starts out this movie. And then <clears throat> you move on to how that affected Bruce Wayne. Uh, I, I alluded to him having a conversation with his butler, Alfred, that, you know, that he says everything's changed. Men fall from the sky. The gods hurl thunderbolts. Innocents die. And that's the state of the world. And he says, Alfred says, that's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. And that's where Bruce Wayne is. He feels powerless. And he can't stop this guy. He views Superman who destroyed a whole city with Zod. I mean, he's an alien. They they must be in cahoots or they must be, you know, together. So, and they destroyed a city. So he's going to do everything he can to protect that city as well as his own city. You know, so it's it's a dark movie. But yet it tells a story. It tells a story of how Bruce Wayne w- had gotten to this point I mean I I guess it kind of hints at how he got to that point but the story is how he comes out of that you know he was in this dark place we've never seen Batman in that dark that dark of a place he's always had that at least in the the Dark Knight trilogy with Christopher Nolan you know he he wanted to do good he wanted to help people he wanted to avenge his parents and you know fight Scarecrow defeat Joker you know defeat Bane and get back a city and I think he did I think these two that trilogy and this trilogy do tie in together not directly but there is some carryover but with this Bruce Wayne that we see we've never seen uh, him in that place before and so I I respect that that's a new a new place you know I don't want to see the same old thing over and over again I want to see new stuff and new stories and this is what that is but yet at the end of the movie Bruce Wayne he's able to come to terms with with superman he sees he finally sees him as a fellow human even though he's not he he understands hey this person has a mom this person has a dad he just he's just trying to do the right thing and so by the end of the movie bruce wayne comes out of that funk and is able to realize and understand that humans are good he even says that and that ties into wonder woman as well she they both realize by the end of their their story that you know men are good we need to help them realize their potential yeah yeah no it, it's, i mean that's definitely a good point and a, and a good observation i mean i don't see it that way you know because i'm looking at different things i've known the story so long but i can understand how someone could look at them like it's just too dark it's too right. brutal you know, too much. And, uh, but like you, I mean, I like the direction it took. I like that it's showing that conflict that, you know, even heroes have to make the tough choice. And sometimes that tough choice isn't, isn't always a good choice. You know, it's just the, the best choice out of a lot of bad choices. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, I like where it's gone, but that is a good point. So, yeah. So we watched Dawn of Justice first, and then we turned around and watched Man of Steel, which is the first one. And I can tell they're they're two different movies. Man of Steel is, you know, Kal-El, Clark Kent's coming-of-age story. He figures out who he is. There's a lot of hope in this movie. And by the end, there's the big destruction of Metropolis, but yet 
he is able to defeat Zod and he feels terrible about it, but yet he still wants to change things. He still wants to be involved. He still wants to help humanity. And at the end, we see him, you know, riding his bike. He starts working at the planet, the daily planet. Um, and just at the end of the movie, there's this feeling of hope that things are going to be okay. And so, you know, you compare the, the Man of Steel movie with Dawn of Justice. There are two different movies. One's very hopeful and one's very dark. And it's kind of, I have always compared it to the original Star Wars trilogy. For the first one, you know, they, they it ends on a, a hopeful note that they destroyed the Death Star. Things are going good. Things are better. But then you got Empire Strikes Back where it's, it's dark. Things don't end up the way you think they would. And you just kind of, you're, you're worried how our heroes are going to handle it at the end of the movie. You just don't know what's going to happen next. And it doesn't go, you know, the Empire wins, Darth Vader wins, and, you know, Han, Luke, Leia, they're defeated. And you don't know what's going to happen next. And that's how Dawn of Justice is. You know, Superman's killed. Um, even though they're able to defeat Doomsday, a lot of chaos happens, and you don't know what's going to happen next. It ends on a downer note. Then you move into the third movie of the trilogy where, you know, even more stuff happens, but yet they're, they're able to over- overcome. And that's what I expect with Justice League as that it'll end on a, a note of hope as well. It'll be a little more um, hopeful as a movie as opposed to Dawn of Justice. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect it will because it kind of seems like that's the um, that's what they wanted to do. But, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they do it and, and what they do because a lot happens, right, in this in this next this next movie and you know yeah. bringing of the heroes together and how's that all going to work out and uh you know they didn't really introduce two of the characters yet so how are they going to do that and and is it going to make sense etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah and i i think comparing it to star wars does it an injustice because these movies are a lot more complex than star wars is star wars is simple star wars has you know basically one main storyline while this trilogy has you know a lot of things going on at the same time with you know superman batman wonder woman they all have their own backstories they're coming together and you got flash cyborg you know it's just a lot of stuff a lot of moving pieces so it'll definitely be different but i think the overall arc will be the pretty similar so yeah, I I think it's hard to discuss these grand themes and movies in just a, a few a few minutes. So I think we'll definitely get back to them at some point. But that's kind of what I thought after watching Man of Steel, Donna Justice, Wonder Woman. Man of Steel, Wonder Woman are definitely more hopeful and positive. You end up leaving the theater, or you know, when the movie's over, you you're like, oh, that was awesome. I liked it. And Dawn of Justice. I enjoyed it just as much, just in a different way. You know, had different um, things that I liked about it, different character development, moved the story along, put everyone in in a new place by the end of the movie. You know, they're they're not the same person. The world's different. Things are happening that's you know you wouldn't have thought. 
So uh, there's also been some talk recently of the Batman trilogy that's going to be directed by Matt Reeves. And there was some talk that it's going to be outside of the main storyline that's been set up with, you know, Man of Steel and Dawn of Justice and Justice League. But Matt Reeves recently clarified that on Twitter, saying that, um, let's see what his words were. He said that was not true, that he was speaking in generalities and that the Batman and the, the subsequent movies, the trilogy, will be set in the same universe, in the same world. It's just that the superheroes you know superman and wonder woman they won't be having cameos in the movie or the trilogy that you know it'll be a, a story about batman and not about the justice league or or anybody else so so are they going to be like are they prequels or sequels to the to the main series yeah from what i'm gathering it's going to be sequels that'll take place after justice league and all that. Okay. So sequels in, okay. So sequels in Gotham. Okay. That, that'll be interesting. Kind of, you know, further the story, see what happens, um, to Batman, because I think a lot of Batman's story always ends when he comes in the justice league, you know, like his single story. So it'll be interesting to see what happens while justice league is still going. Yeah. So he says Matt Reeves, the director, who's also ended up writing, going to write the new stories. He says, just to be clear, of course Batman will be part of the DC Universe. Batman will be Batman. In my comments from a while back about not being part of the DC Extended Universe, I was talking about the Batman being a story specifically about Batman, not about the others in the universe. That it wouldn't be filled with cameos servicing other stories that it would be a Batman story. Are they going to have a Robin involved? Do you know? Have they announced anything like that? Yeah, nothing along those lines. But I mm. would hope so. Well, yeah, because in in the um, Batman v Superman, you saw an old Robin costume, right? In the background with a ha-ha-ha on it from the Joker. So... Um, Kind of wondering if they were going to do something with that, but uh, it'll be interesting to see. So, yeah. And then there's also going to be there's talk about Suicide Squad two with Joker and Harley Quinn, as well as Gotham City Siren Sirens. I think we covered that a little bit ago in our San Diego Comic Con review show. But those will all be part of the DC Extended Universe Cinematic Universe. They're not going to be outside of it. Um, they'll continue the story in some form or another, maybe before, after, during. I anticipate you know, how Suicide Squad was part of the same world that addressed Superman's death, but it wasn't. It was its own story. You know, it, it stood on its own. So I think I would imagine Suicide Squad to Gotham City Sirens and everything else would be kind of a similar uh, take on things. Do you think that uh, they'll ever do a standalone Deadshot? Because that character was amazing. And I think yeah. everyone lo- fell in love with that character, right? Will Smith played it. It was amazing. Way better than I thought. When they announced Will Smith was doing it, I immediately thought how dumb. 
after I watched it, I realized how dumb I was, right? It was it was great, and I'd love to see a standalone. Have you heard anything? Do you? I mean, what do you think? No, there hasn't been anything officially announced. Um, I think it would be a, a great move, a, a Deadshot origin story, or perhaps um, he escapes the 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 prison in Suicide Squad, and he's able to go out on his own after the fact. You know, after Suicide Squad, I would love to see something like that. He's definitely got a lot of potential and a lot of gravitas for his characters that he could make an impact on his own story. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. He just seems to one of those versatile characters, right? Where, um, almost like, like a captain cold where he can fight for the good team and the bad team, but just whatever aligns in his self-interest at the moment, you know? Right. Yeah. He's pretty great character. He's in it for the money type thing, but yet he he does have a conscience, you know, when it pertains to certain things. I mean, if it affects his family, his girl, his little girl, then I'm sure he'd be up for whatever needs to be done. But yet he, you know, he's a hitman. He murders people for money, so there is that part of him. So the next topic would be there's a there's been talk of lately of a Joker origin story. And that they would be recasting this with a new actor that isn't Jared Leto. And I think at first I was like, what? You can't recast him already. Jared Leto did a great job in Suicide Squad. Oscar winning, Academy Award winning Suicide Squad, by the way. Um, but he, I thought he did a great job as the new Joker. Definitely a different take. You know, I'm all about new things. And I think if they had tried to imitate Heath Ledger's Joker, it would have fallen flat and blew up in their face. But... Uh, I'm glad they did try to go with a new direction. I don't think he was given enough screen time in Suicide Squad with his character. But I think with them recasting and creating an origin story, the reason why they would recast is because when Joker became the Joker, he was a younger person. So they would have to, you know, have a younger actor create the story. So because by the time we see him in in Suicide Squad, he's much older. You know, he's he's more evil, he's more twisted, and so you would need to have, you know, almost a different character, a different actor portraying that character, a younger actor. There's talk about having Leonardo DiCaprio do it, but that just doesn't make sense. It's totally rumor, nothing confirmed. And if that ends up being the case, I'd be deeply disappointed, but that's just rumor at this point that I think isn't going anywhere because you do have to have a younger actor do that. So how origin is it? Would it be like the beginning of Joker origin or just right after he became Joker? Because the reason I ask is if it's right after he became Joker, for me, it's almost like, eh, you know, he's crazy. I know enough, right? But if it's before, then it's a million times, yes, let's do it. I mean, I want that movie because I don't know if anyone's really – seen an origin story about about joker where he came from what he did yeah it hasn't been portrayed in film i don't know maybe did the first batman with michael keaton did they portray it i can't remember uh it just showed i mean his i think he you know it talks about he fell into a drum of of uh i don't know some type of chemical that ended up doing to his skin what it did uh, but that's all it really said. I mean, I think it kind of mentioned what he did and 
before, but you don't really know much about him, right? Just kind of mentioned it. So that's why I'm wondering, you know, if it's an origin story, I mean, they could make that great because I think a lot of fans are interested in who he was and where he came from and, and what made him snap, right? What made him go crazy and uh, and everything. Well, they, so I think that'd be They did address it in the killing joke in the comic and then they had that they released that animated film that we went and saw for the the one night only thing where they would have the flashbacks where he was he had a, a wife or a girlfriend or something that's right and he joined up with these i think it was the red hood gang even he joined up with those guys and then he ended up botching the job and that's when he fell into the vat of chemicals and all that so i think they've they've done it in animated form in flashback sequences only but oh. they kind of hinted at it in um, Suicide Squad where you know Joker and Harley were getting together and he threw her into the same vat of chemicals that he fell in to try to make them more similar wanting to do so they've they've hinted at it in Suicide Squad and um, but they haven't actually shown it on you know video like in a movie film format other than that that animated show that they did about a year ago Okay, yeah, no, I I remember that one, so yeah. Yeah. So, but and that brings up the point of, you know, in Suicide Squad with Joker and Harley Quinn, they had a lot of flashback scenes to their relationship, how they, they got to know each other, how she broke them out of Arkham Asylum, that, all that sort of thing, as well as, you know, he escaped and she was wanting a relationship and kept tracking him down and he didn't want it. So they... They cut some of those scenes that they were released in video. Uh, edition of, of Blu-ray. So there's there's the scenes of Justice, like the nightmare flashback, and I guess it's not a flashback, but the nightmare sequence where uh, Batman is kind of holed up in his his hideout, and it looks like you know there's the big Omega signal. Or Omega symbol on the ground, and it looks like Darkseid has conquered Earth. And then there's the the sequence of Flash appearing to Bruce while he's sleeping. You know all these side stories going on in these movies. They're kind of they appear to to make the the movie. It seems disjointed at times from the main movie story, the main movie plot that's going on. And I think that leads to a lot of the criticism why people don't like the movies but yet at the same time i think once we get justice league once we get flashpoint you know once we get suicide squad 2 once all these movies come out we'll see all these stories come together and all these side stories that have been told and shown to us will fit in and it all makes sense at the end but we're still five six seven years away from that moment so it's hard to to defend those things or to say that yeah that's what they're doing because I, I don't know I don't work for Warner Brothers but uh, that's that's the take that's the sense I'm getting from all these side stories that are showing us in these flashback moments yeah no that, that'll be interesting to see um what they do like you said with with some of those um just side scenes are they gonna you know what are they gonna do are they gonna make sense uh how are those individual stories gonna play out and you get worried too because you know you get some 
you know, actors or, or, um, you know, the directors that have a vision and then in five years, are they going to still be with, uh, be with them? Are they, you know, and yeah. that new director going to have the same vision or are they going to drop things? And I think when, when that happens, that's when you can really destroy a series. So you kind of get worried about that. And one of my concerns too, is that, you know, when the Marvel series started, when it came in, that was how long ago now? Years ago, right? I mean, uh, 10 years, 12 years, whatever it was, you know, it's been going on a while. Are, are the fans, the fan base that really got into the, you know, the superhero movies, are they still going to be around then? Are you going to have as large of a fan base or are people going to get burnt out of the superhero craze, right? And uh, they're going to want something else. And that's another thing I get worried about as far as a fan for these is when it comes out, is it, are they going to actually tell all these stories or are they going to decide their fan base has disappeared? Yeah, that's definitely a valid concern. I mean, DC's just getting going I, with their timeline, their stories, but Marvel's been doing <clears throat> theirs for over a decade. And I think there is some some fatigue. I mean, I've heard rumors of it here and there, uh, but I think I think the two franchises are so different that even if you get the say someone gets tired of the Marvel uh, storylines, the Marvel movies that are coming out, they're so different from the DC that yeah, they're superheroes, but their struggles, their goals, they're so different from each other. So I th- and they're different movies. So I think you'll see people may gravitate from one to the other or I mean, some people probably just get sick of it all together, but I think majority wise you'll see people just get tired of the Marvel, especially when after Infinity War and Thanos is defeated or whatever they end up doing with that, you know, where are they going to go from there? They're going to have to maybe start over with a new main storyline because that's been the goal from from the beginning from Iron Man, right? Is to form Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and um, then Thanos started being hinted at with the Infinity Stones, so that storyline's been going on for some time and once that's over, you know, what's next? But then you'll have DC over here doing their thing that it's completely different. A different vibe, different story, you know, different characters. So I think I think they'll play off each other. We'll yeah. See. Yeah, I think they have to be careful too. I think once the story's been told, let it be told, you know, uh, and that's it. I think, you know, rebooting it while makes sense on a money standpoint. I think that just would drive fans away because, I mean, look at Spider-Man. I mean, if that movie wouldn't have been as good as it was, Spider-Man would have been done. Because, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's been rebooted three times in in a decade, it seems, you know, less than a decade. And, you know, it's it it was done. Like, people didn't want to see it as it was. And then it was just so good, you didn't have a choice but to go see it because you're a fan and you want a good show, and here it is. And But uh, I, I think they need to be careful about that, about, oh, we, we've told the story, let's retell it again, because I think that's a way just to destroy destroy a show, destroy yeah. fans. Yeah. I think DC's strong point will be they have the Suicide Squad, they have the Gotham City Sirens, you know, they have the bad guys who are just as interesting as the good guys, right? 
with I think we've talked a little bit about this before with Marvel there isn't who's who's the bad guy you're most interested in Thanos but we don't know anything about him at this point that and then past him you got Loki and then you got this new guy Michael Keaton's character um, Vulture right mm-hmm. one of them hasn't even been in a movie yet besides the the end credit scenes you know Thanos and the other two Loki keeps coming back I think he's been in at least three and he's coming back for Thor three. And then outside of that, who do you got? I mean, Ultron was supposed to be this big bad guy and he was defeated in one movie. And you know, it's just, there, there are no villains really outside of Loki at this point. But with DC, you got Joker who's just as big as Batman. You got Harley Quinn. Now she's a fairly new character, but she's made such a big impact. And then you got, Lex Luthor, who's well-known. And it's just... The villains have just as much potential as as the heroes do in DC. So I think that'll save them for a while. And then they have Wonder Woman. You know, the first female lead superhero movie in, in ever, really. I, th- I can't think of another one that's that's come out. Well, so, it was Elektra. But that was a horrible <laughs> show, right? That was... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Catwoman. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they've they've had a couple, but I I think what well, uh, I get your point. I mean, there's been none that has been this successful that has competed and even beat out the heroes of you know male dominated um, films. Whereas you know now you have Wonder Woman that that stood on its own and and succeeded, and people want to see more. You know, whereas the other ones they just kind of like you know don't ever make that again. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of potential with DC. I think they'll stand the, withstand the test of time. All right, so that's what we have to say about that. Uh, I'm sure we'll get back to it at some point, probably break it down into individual movies at some point, at least online. I want to do additional episodes. 